It's another Tuesday evening and it's time for us to talk technology. This is City Trends. My name is Philip Ashon and City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. On the show today... Government not paying attention to platforms like Twitter and actually trying to shut it down or put a hammer on it does not play effectively in the long term because now what's happening is that um, most companies are looking to African countries to come in or even invest. So effectively um, being strong arming Twitter or binding to Twitter platform does not help with investor confidence. Look, Twitter in the past has done the bidding of many governments. When governments have submitted accounts to be blocked because they were perceived to be um, posting things that might cause a civil unrest or something like that. So it's going to be very tricky. It's going to be very dicey. But we need even third-party organizations who are into data protection, making sure that government is obeying, platform is obeying, policing agencies are doing that. Even individuals who use the platforms are peer-reviewing their, their lifestyle on the platform so that they don't breach some of these, uh, what do call it, community guidelines. Many Nigerians actually, you know, figured that that tweet was insensitive and was, you know, um, was open to rain down violence or threaten violence against some group of Nigerians that were not specifically, or should I say, like was it wasn't clear who this group of Nigerians were by that tweet alone. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Well, it has been a very monumental and um, interesting but strange week within the social media space in Africa, um, specifically in West Africa. Um, in the last 72 hours, it is rumored that Nigeria's federal government has first of all banned Twitter. Um, the federal government has issued an order asking all media outlets to suspend the use of their Twitter handles. And the federal government has also indicated that it will prosecute all Nigerians who are found tweeting, which is very interesting. And it is rumored that Nigeria has lost over 12 million US dollars in e-commerce revenue. Now, if you are listening to these and you're wondering Huh? What exactly is going on? Well, we are trying to understand the full import of this ourselves right here in Ghana. And um, we would want to get the perspective or the insight from someone who is knee deep in the situation in Nigeria to give us you know, that particular insight that we're looking for. Abubakar Idris is in Nigeria, from Nigeria, works in Nigeria, and um, is here to offer us some insights. Abu Bakar, thank you so much for joining us. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Abu Bakar, like you might rightly said. I am, Afri I am the Africa reporter for a publication called Rest of World, which is a US-based publication that focused on, that's focused on the impact of technology outside the developed countries. That is, um, it's focused on the developing markets, the emerging markets like Nigeria, Africa, um, Asia, and Latin America, even some parts of Eastern Europe. So that, that is our core focus. And over the last four years, I have intensely covered the Nigerian and African tech ecosystem and the many, many issues that companies, startups, businesses, regulators have faced as you know this very exciting industry takes its very important place in African um, ecosystem. Brilliant. So, um, what is going on? <laughs> if you can give us some, <laughs> yeah. some understanding. What is going on? What is the real situation um, from where you sit? Right. <clears throat> I mean, so, for anybody that has looked at the Nigerian, um, the Nigerian space, you would know that um, talk about social media regulation has been, you know, has been at the forefront or at the front burner for the last couple of years in the country with the government. And um, the irony here is that um, when, this, when this government, which came into power first in 2015, started its campaign, social media and the internet generally was critical to its success. And they had a very elaborate social media campaign strategy, a very elaborate 
um, you know, internet strategy that that was, you know, the most savvy at the time. And it helped them to win the hearts of hearts and minds of, you know, even the most pessimistic um, um, political, uh, at least m- many people, even those that, even some of the people that did not believe in, you know, a former dictator turning, you know, a Democrat and claiming to be a reformed Democrat. So these are things that were, were in a way, the perception was changed by, you know, savvy use of social media. At least it changed a couple of minds. However, um, over the last couple of years, after the government had fully settled in, um, it began to have thoughts about, you know, restricting the use of social media or, you know, trying to control what kind of information gets out. And the pretext for this conversation is that um, they they frequently, like many other countries, they frequently blame social media for, you know, the epidemic of um, fake news that has spread, you know, wildly with, you know, all kinds of social media platforms from WhatsApp to Twitter to Facebook, um, simply by nature of how these platforms work, um, the government just feels that um, it's all too easy for fake news to, you know, to grow and to, you know, spread and rise very quickly on these platforms unless they are regulated. Uh, so, so that is, has been the argument that it has made over the years. But still like that, it had not mustered the political will to go about this. Um, there was a, a few years ago, it contemplated a social media bill that would give it power to regulate and shut down platforms or at least get platforms to be compliant with Nigerian laws and laws made by the government. Um, but it didn't get that um, bill to fly. Uh, the bill is still at the National Parliament of Nigeria and it's still under deliberation. Um, but still, um, the, the, these have been popular themes that that, that have you know, been um, discussed in the Nigerian tech ecosystem, that have been discussed in the Nigerian environment, simply that simply because of who the government is and who the president currently is, um, a former dictator who had in the past, when he was, when he was a, a military head of state, had you know, um, controlled the media and arrested journalists, and now he's in power as a, as a president, as a civilian. And there was always that fear right from the get-go that he would plan to do something like this. And he had folks in power in his circle that were already gingering him for to carry out this type of attempt. Um, but but none of these attempts actually gained, um, you know, gained traction when it had been pitched in the first instance. But however, after the protest in October 2020, um, Nigeria witnessed a very important or a, water, a, a very important um, um, protest that sprang up. You know, it just, it just happened. It wasn't pre-planned. It just sort of happened because there was there was a trigger for it about how the police, how police brutality was happening in the country. And young people uh, had already had enough, and many other people had already complained about the situation. And they asked the government for basic police reforms to ensure that you know the extrajudicial killings that we've seen in the country could be controlled, could be reduced. Those are the major talking points ahead of October 2020. And unfortunately, the government did not do enough to um, remedy the situation. It did not do enough to control the the excesses of the police, and in in that month, um, they got the police had overstretched, killing a, a um, attacking a, a young Nigerian in um, the southern part of the country, and that was the that, that that led to that was a spark that gave rise to the October protest that we saw that was huge in October 2020, and yeah, the protest was really really well coordinated through social media, um, all kinds of people, every nearly every part of the country, particularly in the south had coordinated to make sure that this protest was not was not restricted to one city it spread across the country very quickly and you know all kinds of people were people were people went out on the streets to protest and they risked getting shot by the police and the soldiers just so that they could pass their message across and it all happened and it was all coordinated through social media and even while that protest was happening there was always a fear that the government would step in and want to shut down social media so that this lack so that this coordination could be stopped so that this protest could end easily, so that this protest would not see the light of day. And um, yeah, that, that was like a really important moment for the government to sit up or to see or to realize that, yeah, social media had become a very powerful tool that could be used to, you know, muster political campaigns and actually try to get change done. And um, unfortunately for the government, it did not reform. It ended up, you know, um, killing um, many Nigerians in on the unfortunate October twenty uh, October twentieth, 
last year when it allowed this military to shoot at protesters that were unharmed, that, that, were, uh, that were defenseless and were simply, you know, peacefully protesting. Uh, so yeah, that, that has been the main theme, looking at how the government was, has been trying to control social media just so it can reduce the impact of, you know, another protest like the one that happened in October from, you know, occurring again. And um, yeah, it, 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 since then, the situation, the security situation in the country has, you know, deteriorated. It has gotten to devastating levels. Insecurity has sprung up in nearly every part of the country. And in the recent tweets that, you know, started this whole ruckus about, you know, the Twitter ban, um, the president was specifically responding to a, you know, the, the insecurity that was happening in the southeast part of the country. And that tweet was, it was a very clumsy tweet. Um, he had done a video where he made the same, where, where he said the same statement. But that video had context. That video had, you know, it was public. It was in a gathering. And the context was very, very clear. But on Twitter, you do not have the privilege of having enough context for each tweet. You could only put maybe 240 characters um, in a tweet. And, and you need to make sure that whatever you're tweeting, you make sure that the context is very clear. Unfortunately, that was not the case with his tweet. And many Nigerians actually, you know, figured that that tweet was insensitive and was, you know, um, was open to rain down violence or threaten violence against some group of Nigerians that were not specifically, or should I say, that it, was, it wasn't clear who this group of Nigerians were by that tweet alone. Only by watching the video and looking at other contexts would one get the full understanding about who that tweet was targeted. So for many Nigerians that saw that tweet before the video and other information, that was a clear, you know, a clear red flag for them. They did not understand what it meant, but they only read the tweet and they were right to, you know, to do, when they read the tweet, um, it was just based on the context of that single tweet. It wasn't, it didn't give the full context, but still the tweet could have been handled a lot, a lot, a lot better. And, but unfortunately it was very clumsy on the part of the government and many Nigerians flagged it down. And that resulted in Twitter eventually deleting it. And um, yeah, so the government um, took action afterwards. And yeah, that led to the Twitter ban um, last week. Wow, that's a very comprehensive history and um, understanding of the situation that you've brought us. And I'm, I'm really glad that you've provided us with the right context within which this whole situation um, um, happened. Yeah. Now. What is a sentiment among, first of all, social media users in, in Nigeria? Um, we hear a lot of businesses are losing out on a lot of money because of this particular ban. Ca can you give us a sense of what exactly is going on in Nigeria right now between right. social media users, businesses that de depend on um, Twitter for either advertising or for you know, following up on leads and things like that? What, what's, what's the sentiment and what's going on? Right. So on the one hand, for social media users, um, the sentiment has been um, it, 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 it brought back a feeling that, you know, many young folks today do not have or have not had in a long time, which is um, the 1980s feel, the 1984 feeling that, you know, George Orwell had written in his book, uh, Animal Farm, which is a clear feeling that, you know, the government was about to censor the Internet, a clear feeling that the government was about to, you know, um, regulate the Internet, control the kind of conversations that people were having and um, even talk about you know shutting down the internet has been big before um, there are many many occasions in the past where nigerians have felt that the government was on the path to to shut down the internet and so this is it has never happened before even though that sentiment was real and that fear was you know in the air during over the last six years but it had never happened before the government had never been close enough to shut down the internet but now we are seeing the first real action from them by shutting down, you know, access to Facebook across all the major telecom companies in the country. So that 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 has, you know, sent that negative sentiment to all Nigerians, to all Nigerians that are social media users, that there is a real fear, that there is a real slippery slope with this with this um you know with this ban order to to shut down um, Twitter. So there is that real fear that you know today it's Twitter, tomorrow it could be Facebook, next tomorrow it could be Instagram, the other day it could be. It could be WhatsApp. Then the following day, it could be, you know, all of the internet. And then we're all in the dark. So, so everybody is rightly, you know, worried and concerned about that situation that, you know, has been set in motion with just this Twitter ban. So there, there is that serious feeling. On the other hand, um, you have Nigerians that 
have, Nigerians have immediately switched to using um, um, virtual private networks, which is VPN, so that they can circumvent the, the, the ban on Twitter. Uh, with a VPN, you can easily just log into websites that, that have been blocked by an ISP, an internet service provider, and you continue to have access to you know, that website, even though it is supposed to be quote-unquote illegal because of the ban. Uh, but because of because many Nigerians have now understood what you know the VPN is over the last um, over the last couple of over the last couple of days, you, the, the search query, the interest in VPNs has picked up significantly, and there are now a lot more people using VPN, you know, to browse the internet and to access Twitter. Uh, so, so that 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 is the sentiment that we're feeling right now, a very you know um, a very Chinese war firewall kind of situation is. It's how we're feeling it right now in the country with many people using VPN. Um, but on the other, on the part of what you know, what businesses are facing as a result of this, um, you know, there have been all kinds of um, um, statements and you know, um, talk about how much has been lost so far. I, to be honest, I cannot independently verify those figures yet. Um, but what I do know is that Twitter is like is a very important part of you know. Um, engagement, customer engagement, retention and acquisition for many, many businesses in the Nigerian, in the Nigerian environment, in the Nigerian markets today. Um, for many businesses, it's also critical for customer support. And so they, they, they are having to, you know, think differently about how to go about, you know, acquiring new customers, engaging their previous customers and addressing issues that customers are, are, are raising over, you know, the other issues that they have with a service. So, for businesses, this ban actually puts them in a bit of a, of a of a of a quagmire where they know that they can no longer legally use Twitter to address you know address their customers, communicate with their customers, or to you know share solutions with their customers or even acquire customers. So all of that has gone you know has gone sideways, and now businesses are looking for ways that they can either shift control of um of their Twitter handles to a foreign a foreign entity or a foreign individual that can handle it on their behalf without you know falling guilty to Nigerian laws. But at the moment, it's still very confusing for them because um, the Nigerian law, the the and the actions and pronouncement by the minister actually says that anybody that that you know that targets Nigerians or you know businesses that are Nigerian, even other um, broadcasters in particular, must not use social media, particularly Twitter rather. Um, to gather news and information. So they're basically giving them an order to stay clear of social media, or to stay clear of Twitter rather. And so that is the same feeling that uh, many businesses are actually uh, going through right now. They do not know how to fully understand it. Um, and I've seen a few of them actually put out tweets saying, claiming that their handles are now being operated by folks that are based abroad. So so that that, that, is, that is one way that they are trying to um, you know, get around the ban, but in reality, um, the law actually makes it illegal for them to do so. And by virtue of the fact that Nigerians are banned from using Twitter, it just makes it, you know, um, funny or surprising that, um, or interesting rather, that they will still think that they can access or reach out to their customers locally by simply relocating the base of who is operating their, their, their Twitter handle. So it's still very confusing at the moment. Um, but hopefully over the next couple of days, we'll get a real understanding about how these businesses are thinking about it and how they are going about, you know, engaging government to get this band rolled back. Abubakar, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for um, the explanation and the insights you gave. And I'm sure um, a lot of Ghanaians will have a better appreciation of what exactly is going on with the Twitter ban in Nigeria and what it means for businesses, individuals, and everybody else who, is using um, Twitter. Well, we are going to move on from Abu Bakar's explanation into a bit of in the discussion with the panel. Maximus, Joseph, and Kingsley will be giving us some insight um, about what this means generally for the African continent and also with regards, you know, other countries and regions across the globe. Don't go anywhere. This is City Trends. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend.
You're still tuned in to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. And the conversation is indeed continuing looking at the ban on Twitter that has been placed um, by the Nigerian government for you know the number of reasons that we've already spoken about. However, the impact and the implications go well beyond Nigeria. And we've touched on that briefly in our earlier conversation um, with our Nigerian journalists. But sometimes it, it helps to get an outsider perspective about what's happening in a particular region. And of course, we understand how important Nigeria is with regards to the African region and not just the West African sub-region in this respect. And so um, three of my gentlemen, three three guys who are, you know, very well-versed within the tech space and also have a good understanding of the implications of e-commerce and have a good understanding of the implications of social media on, on, on geopolitics and social media on the nation's development and its positioning um, have joined me for um, this review of this particular decision by the Nigerian government. And, um, and so we're just going to dive straight into it. Um, joining us is Kinsley Abroka, who is a chief enabler at Kudigo, um, and Joseph Albert Kuri, who is a UX designer or user experience designer Jetstream Africa and editor also at Technova GH. If you want to know anything about tech in Ghana and you want to understand it, that is the website you need to be frequenting as often as possible. Joseph and Kingsley, thank you so much for joining me on the show. So let's let's start off with you, Kingsley. Um, with your business, you have sort of a subsidiary in Nigeria. So this hits home very much for you. Um, from where you sit, how did you take the news initially when it was announced? Well, it was quite shocking, I mean, from our perspective, considering um, the fact that the previous year, um, COVID had disrupted so much business and a lot had been lost economy-wise. And we've also had some good news with some good exits coming from Paystack and Flutterwave. So one would have thought that, I mean, this year, a lot of the efforts, both on government and private, will be more towards accelerated growth. Um, for businesses in Nigeria. So to hear that the government is taking such a stand against a very prolific player in the tech space is worrying for any investor or anyone who has a business in Nigeria. It's just very troubling. So, and someone, some, someone will ask, I mean, your business is, is, is selling products or services. Twitter is just supposed to be a platform where people go for updates and tweet and things like that. How, how does that have such a monumental impact on the way a you run your business and b you know how, whether your business survives or not you see it's not really about twitter as a platform it's more about what it means for other businesses i mean if you take if you go a step back two or three years ago there was the issue of the um, um, ban on bikes which affected a lot of startups in nigeria go Canada and the rest and that was a big problem so for any tech entrepreneur or anyone invest in Nigeria, you look at it and say, if a company like Twitter, with all their financial and global muscle, can suffer such a, a, a ban from the Nigerian government, how more you a startup? So it's really not about what Twitter is offering or what Twitter does. It's more about what it tells other business owners that, look, no one is safe. And it's not really about the government not supposed to regulate these industries. It's more about making sure that whatever decision you make as a government takes into consideration every aspect of the industry, what your people want, what the economy needs and all that. So for me, that's why I look at it from not really trader per se, but what it means for any business owner, even whether you're in the tech space or not. It's, it's, it makes you very scared of what can happen to you if you are not as big as a trader. Joseph, from, from where you sit, content developer also doing a lot of business across the continent as well. How, how did this particular news story come at you? And, you know, from your perspective as well, what do you think are the implications of this particular announcement? Um, so when it first was announced, um, I actually thought it was just kind of one of those parody websites that's saying that Twitter has been banned from Nigeria 
until I saw that it was actually a legit. So it was kind of shocking, especially given the fact that um, most news websites, even from Nigeria and elsewhere, get their news from um, Twitter nowadays. I mean, if you look on Twitter right now, most of the news segments comes from Nigeria and other news websites. So it's kind of shocking. So from my perspective, um, I just realized that um, trying to get news from Nigeria might, not, might now be a headache, but I've seen some websites now using VPNs to try to get across the ban, which is an interesting thing. So it, it's, it's kind of jarring to see such a hammer or a ban being placed on something like Twitter, which is um, very big as far as proliferating news um, across the country. I see, but then also comes, you know, the other side of it in terms of everything that we've seen coming from Nigeria in recent in the recent past, everything from NSAS to, you know, Nigerians taking over Twitter, whether it is from the entertainment side of things or from, you know, like I said, the political side of things and political activism side of things. I mean, what 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 does what does this particular announcement mean for all those other ways by which people are able to express themselves, you know, um, and, and speak out or speak truth to power in that sense. Yeah, it has huge implications, especially for most of the young people in Nigeria, because that Twitter is basically a medium for expressing themselves or even doing business. I know a lot of people who are doing e-commerce online and one of their main and avenues to advertise or sell their products is through Twitter. Like for instance, Flutterwave last year launched their e-commerce um, storefront and that uses Twitter as a way to advertise what you're selling in Nigeria and even across other countries. So effectively banning Twitter just cuts off um, many Nigerian businesses, e-commerce businesses online from actually selling their products or advertising their products, which could have some impacts. I think I was reading today that because of the ban on Twitter in Nigeria, um, Nigeria is effectively losing about $6 million a day just from the ban because they're cutting off a lot of e-businesses, a little e-commerce sites online. So it's, it's, very, um, it's very sad to see such a, a large... Um, thing being happened basically nigeria the nigerian government it's effectively um, hurting itself or hurting the country in the long term but it, it, it does appear that you know the nigerian government doesn't doesn't see that way kingsley it, it's it's i mean the reasons for example that they gave you know suggesting of course that you know it, it was more or less protecting its um its integrity or you know uh, and for, for want of a better description but Really, when you think about it, it's 2021. And one of the things that really surprised me was the fact that the announcement was actually made on Twitter as well. And <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering, like, you know, if you do understand the power of the platform in that sense, you know, it, it's, it's just interesting um, where, for example, we are defining or what we are defining democracy to be. You know, all of a sudden we find young people, people of all ages, being able to, to speak out for themselves. You know, a couple of years back, you need to elect someone, or even still, you need to elect someone to go and represent you in parliament or in whichever position that, you know, they're supposed to go and represent you. But now you have the opportunity to be able to speak out for yourself at any point in time that you choose. And I'm just wondering, you know, whether that, you know, that technology enabling a closer conversation between the governed and the governor to be to be bridged and whether that is such a scary proposition for you know um, and the leadership of Nigeria such that they would have to you know put this ban in place um, it's, it's just a very interesting time and shift that we are seeing and I just and from for you both Joseph and Kingsley I just wanted your thoughts about that how these changes that we see today are very interesting in terms of what the, what the boundaries of a practical democracy actually looks like uh, moving forward. First of all, I'll start with Kingsley. Kingsley, your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Philip. So I actually think um, the Nigerian government knows what the effect of this is on, on their economy. And it's really just about them trying to show the world that, I mean, 
you can't take them for granted in quotes. I mean, if you're listening to the governor of Lagos, he was talking about the fact that this needs to be looked at holistically by the government because Lagos was suffering, because Lagos being the biggest commercial city in Nigeria. I think really what the government should look at doing quickly is try to engage Twitter, try to engage them and see to better understand why what happened happened. Well, it was a simple issue of a tweet that was deleted with Twitter claimed violated their policies. So it's just a matter of trying to have dialogue. I think trying to show muscle here because you're a regulator just sort of defeats the entire purpose of what you want to do. And even to that effect, the current Nigerian government came to power based on social media euphoria. You know, so you've benefited from it at a point in time. If today you feel it's going against you, why then do you take a hammer to, I mean, shut it down? It's, it, will, it will eventually be counter-effective, and they do know that. So I, I'm pretty sure this ban is not going to last because a lot of players in Nigeria need this to be resolved. Money is being lost. Integrity is being lost. So really, I mean, I, I think they know what they've done is wrong. They're just trying to let the world know that, look, we can shut it down if we want to because we are the government, but it will hurt them. It is hurting them, the government in particular. They are losing a lot of public, I mean, trust and all those things. So they will change. I'm sure sooner than later, they'll come back in and restore Twitter to Nigeria. Joseph, your, your thoughts on how um, new technologies like Twitter are transforming the way the governed see, you know, the government in this case, and vice versa, and how the government, because this is not the first time we're seeing such actions, not necessarily by Nigeria, but then by governments, where based on how incredibly efficient technologies have become and have aided people to be able to voice out from time to time, they try to shut those down as a way of sort of keeping control of the populace. Eventually, almost never ends very well for the government. But I guess what's your thoughts about how technology is making all of this possible? Um, yeah, um, so like we said, I think we remember last year with the NSARS movement, how that started and basically the government was kind of, um, was not really paying attention to that. And then before you know it, because of Twitter, it went international with CNN coverage and everybody else. So, government not paying attention to platforms like Twitter and actually trying to shut it down or put a hammer on it does not play effectively in the long term. Because now what's happening is that um, most companies are looking to African countries to come in or even invest. So effectively um, being strong arming Twitter or binding the Twitter platform does not help with investor confidence. So now companies are looking to maybe Ghana, for instance. We know Twitter actually set their headquarters in Ghana um, recently. So effectively banning Twitter in Nigeria is kind of validating Twitter actually setting up in Ghana. So um, the, the Nigerian is not doing Nigerian government is doing a great service to itself or the country by effectively doing it. As as Kingsley said, um, I think this there will be a reversal soon, but I fear that damage is going to be done right now, but um, we shall see what the repercussions are in the future. Maximus, let me bring you into the conversation at this, at this moment and ask you your thoughts about um, all that is happening, you know, with regards to Twitter in Nigeria. And, and, and like Joseph mentioned, you know, Twitter setting up its Africa HQ in Ghana and, you know, all of that rolling forward. Maximus. Yes, thank you, Philip. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Right there, as for the, the Twitter Nigeria issue, is quite dicey, right? So, from another side of the coin, it's a breach of uh, maybe human rights in terms of the freedom of expression. And on another side, too, you want to look at who wields the power when it comes to the digisphere. The fact that somebody owns a platform in another jurisdiction does not necessarily mean they will power over every citizen in every ge geographical location. So yeah, you use Twitter to come to power. Twitter has been able to engage your citizens. The citizens express their views and thoughts on the platform. And of course, the, the time and uh, attention that the, the citizens spend on the platform is converted into advertising revenue by the platform too as well 
which the government, the local government doesn't get any revenue from, even though it helps the business or it makes the economy more briskier uh, on daily basis and all that. Now, some school of thought believe that things like this, you know, pop up ideas as to how governments should deal with all these platforms that have presence across different geographies. Forget about the fact that the government blocked the platform. Now, can Twitter decide what to do in every country because they want to do so? They deactivate citizens' accounts when they breach the, the, the community guidelines or their policies. Now, can't a country also block them if the country feels they don't also follow their rules as in the, the, the constitution or whatever local uh, rules that they have as a country. Now we can debate about, okay, the fact that government, you know, is preventing freedom of speech. Now freedom of speech is not only digital, right? People speak their minds on radio on various other platforms, Facebook, WhatsApp, and a couple of other platforms. Twitter is not the most, uh, uh, actively used platform in Nigeria anyway. So for me, even though I disagree with the fact that they want to muffle citizens' you know, voice by blocking the platform, we should also look at the other side. Can the platforms have power more than the governments of those countries? Now, some of us engaged some of, some of these uh, platforms when they came to Ghana for some community engagement and realized when they asked them, okay, why are you not registered in Ghana as a data controller? Because you, you gather and analyze data of Ghanaians in real time across the world, even from those who are the over 8 million Ghanaians who are even on Facebook in, right in Ghana. Now, they just said, oh, it's international, they obey international law and that's it. So we don't have, the, the laws of Ghana doesn't have any control over their operations. Right, so because they are virtually uh, present in Ghana, the laws of Ghana does not necessarily apply to them. Meanwhile, typically, if it was an European country, they would have forced them to sign on to their data protection laws and all that. Now, a lot of people's uh, data were breached, for example, on Facebook and other, other platforms, and who compensates the Ghanaian? Nobody. Now, when you have governments coming out with laws that will run, you know, in terms of policing these platforms too as well, it also inures to the benefit of the citizen so that when you are a Facebook user and then you've invested uh, millions or thousands of dollars on your account or a Twitter account, then all of a sudden they block you because of one post, they deactivate your account and then they will not reactivate that. All your investment is gone down the drain. That one, they also forget about the fact that you have the freedom of expression. So for me, at the government level, it's quite sensitive so that they should have maybe communicated with the presidency and told them, hey, this particular post is against our community uh, guidelines. It's been flagged, so we want to pull it down or you modify it. But to just delete the, the, the tweet of the government without communicating with the government and which they usually do on, on off, off platform where they engage the governments on the side and all that. So for me, I think the Nigerian government also wanted to show them that Oga is the Oga. So they want to, you know, Twitter to come and then apologize to them, then they can restore them. Yeah, but Maximus, I mean, the question, the, the question that remains really, in terms of showing you who the Oga in this case really is, who is the one who is 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 bearing the, the biggest brunt or suffering the most? I mean, if you consider the fact that there's a possibility of um, of Nigeria losing about twelve million dollars in e-commerce revenue just because of this particular you know ban on Twitter, who 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 suffers in the end? And really, to what extent and to what for what purpose will this ban serve? Because look, if you are looking for to reach the Nigerian people, like you said rightly, you came into office on the back of a Twitter campaign and Twitter campaigns and, and social media engagement with the people. And now, you know, be, 
because you see the, the question then remains you you are you are working within a certain framework which is the code of conduct or the community code of conduct within twitter so if you clearly go outside of those bounds does the does the social media company not have a right to put you in place the argument can be of course that there needs to be some level of engagement but it's clear from the example of the us and how you know, Trump's account, for example, was closed by a number of social media platforms because of, you know, certain things that were said and certain actions that were taken. It's clear that once you move outside of that framework in terms of the code of conduct, there is, a, there is an action to be taken. It's just like within your own country, you know, when citizens break the law, the law is allowed to act. So really, it, it, at the end of the day, who are you being an ogre for and to what end? Yeah, so Philip, I, 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 I agree. A lot of people are going to lose money. And of course, the government will also have a negative uh, public sentiment on Twitter, the Twitter platform. But the issue comes back to what I was saying that policy-wise, it's going to happen. Even in the US with the issue with the, the former president and all that, there, there are some states have issues with, had issues with that. So they came out with laws to even ban some of the, the social media platform within their states, if they, they banned uh, or the certain accounts or all that. Now, I know some of these platforms have all these features where they can even limit the reach and impression of your tweet and all that, instead of deleting it. If, if myself, yourself, if we post something, they can delete it. They can, they, can, they can do whatever they want to do because it's their platform. But when you come to a platform and government, that is where the issue is. So my concern is they could have communicated with the government on the side that, hey, this was posted on the platform. We have locked it on your page. It's not going to reach anybody. And either you modify it or we will, you know, delete it. Then they will at least be aware that what they posted was in the wrong then you can do whatever action you want to take. But without treating the government account just like any ordinary account, for me, I think that's what resulted in the call for the ban, and then they've done that, right? Now, the platform is going to lose. Of course, other businesses are going to lose. It is unfortunate, but for me, there must be a balance. Twitter must benefit. The government must benefit. Now, other countries like China, of course, we can't compare China and the rest, but other countries are even developing their own platforms, right? Look at what happened in Australia. Australia has to even restrict the consumption of news content on some of these social media platforms for free because they also created the content, we're enjoying it for free. Now, in a typical context, you say, oh, everybody is you know, sharing on a social media platform, freedom of expression, and Facebook has the right to do whatever or the citizens of Australia, they were sharing the news. But they realized on the commercial side, so policy has to step in and make sure that, hey, that some people's interests will be served. For me, it may be an overkill for the government to, to do that. And I'm sure some of even the treaties or UN conventions that they've signed onto when it comes to open internet and the rest, they may, might have breached that. But they also can give a reason why they are doing so because that is a gray area. And I think this particular situation calls for that, that there must be engagement between government and the platforms so that it's clearly stated that, hey, if we sign on to this platform, there are community guidelines. Now, even though the community guidelines are there, the community guidelines must also fall within the laws of the state. Now, even if you fall within the laws of the state and the government breaches it, we can deactivate the government account because we have all agreed to follow a certain uh, policy or terms of, of, of usage or agreement. So for me, that's where I'm coming from. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> Joseph, I don't know what your thoughts are about, you know, the, the, the position that, um, that, that Maximus, you know, just reiterated uh, just a couple of minutes ago. I don't know your thoughts about that. Um, okay, so he was looking at it from the perspective of a government. I mean, it, it makes sense as far as um, 
you know, trying to have effective communication between a private company and the government of the day. But we must remember that Twitter is a private company and they do have their own terms and conditions as we, you know, as regular services that we all sign on. And if you breach those legal services or terms and conditions, there will be repercussions. And in this case, the president of Nigeria, his tweet actually breached that and he, that tweet was deleted. Now, um, so I think what Maximus, what I agree with what Maximus said was there should be a, been a better dialogue between Twitter and Nigeria, for instance, that, hey, this tweet that you put up, it violates our terms of conditions and it will be removed. Or you, basically they could have told him that you should remove the tweet or we will do it instead of just going ahead and actually doing it for him because it's kind of, I can see how if I put up a tweet and then you come and remove it from me without informing me why it was done in the first place, it's understandable. But then again, there needs to be that communication between level of government and a private company, which is Twitter. So in, in, on that aspect, I agree with it. But again, the government of the day should not go ahead and effectively ban a platform which most of the citizens use for their daily bread as far as e-commerce and also advertising. It's, 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 it's too much of a... It, it's just... I would say worst case scenario shouldn't have done that as far as effectively um, hemorrhaging your economy, which is suffering right now because of the COVID from last year. So again, effective communication should be better, but not to necessarily government should now ban the entire platform because of one miscommunication. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I would, like, I would like to quickly... Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes, Max, no, Max, You know, so on, on the same count, yes, yes, but yes, at that point, is yes, I agree with that. So the fact that Twitter is also private. The Nigerian government also thinks they're also a sovereign country. Now, some of us have had discussions on this. Should all these platforms who are operating in countries virtually be registered within those countries? Ghana is fortunate Twitter is coming to register and the headquarters will be here and all that. It means that they are going to pay taxes, they are going to you know, engage in some corporate social responsibility, tra transfer of knowledge and the rest. A lot of the countries, even European countries, are so much concerned that a lot of these platforms make money virtually of their citizens and they don't pay a dime to the government. Now, they also see their digital space as their private or sovereign assets, right? So if there's, there's this fight, Twitter owns a platform, then the government says, I own the digital space, so you can also not operate there. So this will call for that dialogue and engagement where the platforms and then the government will see themselves as like a symbiotic partnership. So for me, they, I'm sure they will, they will release the, they will lift the ban, but they'll come out with maybe a mutual agreement. I mean, it's, 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 it's the sections of the mutual agreement that worry me even the most, because then once again comes the whole conversation about, you know, where, where, does, where, does, where, do you, where do you draw the line when it comes to A, respect of people's rights to free speech, B, exactly. who, who, has, who has the power to limit what you can say and what you can't say, which, you know, mm -hmm. happens to be the argument from the other side. Uh, you know, and, and all the arguments in between. Kingsley, I, I was wondering if you, I could get your thoughts on that particular matter. <laughs> now, my final question to both of, to all three of you would be, we've seen these incidents where governments have been trying to sort of either negotiate or limit the extent to which social media platforms, A, can operate and B, can limit, quote unquote, free speech. My question to the three of you, as a final question, I'll start off with Maximus is, where, how do we resolve that moving forward? But Kingsley, back to you, we have this conundrum that is facing us where, you know, people are either speaking about free speech or not. You know, Nigeria is in this very awkward position of either a coming back and lifting the ban and introducing its own negotiations, whatever. There is that other conversation as well about the capacity of the data managers um, in countries like Ghana, in countries like Nigeria, to even understand what the future of all of this data management actually means. You know, there is, it's so multifaceted when you think about it in terms of what 
cyber governance is looking like and what cyber governance is all about today, that sometimes you just get this feeling that a lot of the governments really don't understand or probably don't have a full appreciation of the full extent of some of these decisions. And I'm just wondering if you could share some your, your thoughts on that. So um, I, I, my thoughts are this, right? I think um, we are not being truthful to ourselves if we make this a one-sided discussion. And I'm saying this because, look, Twitter in the past has done the bidding of many governments. When governments have submitted accounts to be blocked because they were perceived to be um, posting things, that's my cause, a civil unrest, something like that. So it, it, and now that it's on the other side, it becomes a problem. So for me, I think it's 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 makes up a bit of hypocrisy on the Nigerian government side for them to pitch this thing as safe Twitter is trying to do something out of the ordinary. It's been going on for years, right? Governments request Twitter to block accounts, they block it, literally they delete it. So what is good for the goods good for the Ganda? On the other side as well, on the data protection thing, I strongly agree with Maximo that look, governments in Africa especially should insist that every platform that operates is compliant with your own data protection laws. If not for anything at all, so that at least they know that there is some accountability if something goes wherever with the data they are gathering in your country. I don't think launching every country launching its own social media platform is the way to go. Because you know, we've seen what High Five and MySpace couldn't do, but Facebook has been able to do, right? Rather, let's make sure that we have standardized regulation. Like the EU has got what GM GPDRS. What we have for Africa, nothing. So let's focus on those things rather. And let's understand that whatever is positive, there's a negative side to it. Rather than going out and trying to push um, um, regulation down people's throat because you are a government, it won't go well for you at all. It's never worked. And it won't work. Unless you are in China, you have a billion people who can actually buy your, 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 your service. Other than that, you end up shooting yourself. So for me, I think Nigerian government should just quickly relook at this because really, they will do Twitter very soon. When NSAS happened, Twitter blocked some tweets because they were very violent based on government requests. So it's, it works both ways. Just try to find the fair balance and then we all move. So that's my thoughts on that particular one, Philip. I like, I like that. So let, let's get into the last round of, of thoughts here before we wrap up on this conversation. So Maximus, like I said, I mean, we, we, we're already here. The conversations have begun. We know that you know, there is a bit of a deficiency with regards state agencies sometimes keeping up to date with what the latest trends are, especially regards data management and, and all of those things. But we still have to get access to these platforms. We still have to get our governments to be more responsible about ensuring our, our freedoms, number one, and you know, that our data is properly protected. But really, where, where do we move from here? What, what is the next 10 years, 15 years looking like, especially with regards the relationship between data managers in the country and data managers from outside with companies like Twitter and Facebook and the like? For me, I think the government should push for, the, the, for example, the ITU to come up with a common policy, especially for the African market, because we are usually uh, what we call it, behind when it comes to data privacy and data protection. And then when there's a breach, you will never hear compensation for any African country or anybody from the African continent. So for me, AU or ITU, they should be able to come up with a policy that should cover all the African countries so that they will deal with all these platforms as a block. Now, the other thing is, you see, there may be hidden conditions when it comes to these platforms operating in some countries. They can ask you that, hey, your policy says that if your platform is used for money laundry, for child pornography, for uh, violence or whatever, uh, terrorism, you are supposed to give us access to your back and monitor people. Now, if government brings you a warrant or government requires you to monitor Maximus or monitor Philip or monitor Kingsley because they presume that we are into money laundering or we are supposed to, we are going to patrol the government. When in the actual sense it's not true, this platform will be allowed to work, but they'll be forced to give our, our, our access, what do you call it, our online conversation to the government. And then before they will realize that what they actually were doing was just giving 
access to account to the government to monitor us or to you know stalk us on our, our online platforms. So it's going to be very tricky. It's going to be very dicey. But we need even third-party organizations who are into data protection, making sure that government is obeying, platform is obeying, policing agencies are doing that. Even individuals who use the platforms are peer reviewing their, their lifestyle on the platform so that they don't breach some of these, uh, what we call it, community guidelines. Now, freedom of speech, like we always say, doesn't mean that you are free after the speech. So it has to be within the law. What does the law say about what you can do? There is a cybersecurity uh, policy, which a lot of people are not even abreast with the content of it. For example, if Philip calls me and I'm with some friends and I put Philip on, uh, on a speaker without telling you that I'm putting on speaker, I am breaching the law. People don't even know that. Right, so those are basic things that we do on day-to-day -day basis or share content. It's all about privacy, data protection. We must learn all these things so that we as individuals, we must be the gatekeepers first. Then the platform's policy will come as, as a topper before we get to maybe government or policy agencies or, or people who say, okay, you've committed a particular crime, so we are going to prosecute you. For me, we must self-moderate and make sure that when we are even speaking our mind or we are expressing ourselves, we do it legally. It doesn't necessarily need to be respectfully. It has to be legally. That's all. That's interesting. Joseph? Um, yeah, I think I agree with um, what he's talking about privacy matters. Um, as, you, as you know, Europe has its own privacy laws. As I know some states in the US are also developing their own privacy laws. So maybe it's high time that maybe some African countries also develop their own privacy laws, or maybe the AU can work together with all countries to develop their own privacy laws. Because as of now, there's nothing much in the books. So if we have those laws in place, now that all these um, private companies coming into the African region can actually know what they have to do with as far as um, data access and privacy. And concerning the free speech, um, yes, as, as the like I said before, there is some guidelines as far as these companies themselves they have. So maybe um, these companies coming into the African continent maybe need to work more closely with government as far as knowing what can be said and what cannot be said. So maybe they can have a separate section for government as far as how to access, if they need access as far as maybe terrorism or there's some money laundering or child trafficking, maybe they can have a separate access for those governments. And then for regular users, they have their own general um, policies in place for that. So yeah, I think right now it's just more about communication and actually um, collaboration between these companies and, and governments. Because if a um, company can just say, well, you have no laws or anything else, they can just act how they want to act as far as where they're from, from their home countries. But if they're in, in Ghana or Nigeria, they know that we have our own separate laws as far as cybersecurity, as far as privacy acts that they have to abide by, then they know how to work, act accordingly. But hopefully, like um, in Nigeria, this ban will be um, re removed, hopefully sooner than later, so that people on the ground who use Twitter as their livelihood can get back access and keep communicating and selling online because um, COVID had a really massive effect on their country. So having this ban in place does not help anybody. So hopefully there's more collaboration with private companies going forward, and then we can actually enact our own privacy laws and cybersecurity laws as well. Thank you so much, Joseph. Kingsley. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's all been said by Joseph and Maximum. I think holistically, this um, is a chance for us as a continent, not just government, but even as individuals to understand that um, to everything there's a limit. Right. So as we use social media, I don't think that makes you oblivious to what's actually happening in real life. Because social media now to an extent is people's real life. So we need to be very measured in our utterance on social media. And governments also need to like quickly understand what the, their responsibility is as they choose to engage on these platforms, either for economic gain or political gain. At the end of the day, it's always a two-edged sword. 
we need to consciously have a strategy around it as a continent, as a country, and look at how we ensure that should these things happen, we have a measured approach to handling them, and we don't just do knee-jerk reactions. Because knee-jerk reactions doesn't help anyone. It just hurts a whole lot of people. And so for me, I think this is the right time for every African country, every African government, to look at what has happened with the Nigeria ban and understand what their role is in ensuring that their populace do not feel um, disenfranchised when such things happen, but rather it's a collaborative process. And hopefully we, we should be able to move beyond this and, and look at a more better time using social media and digital tools. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for the thoughts shared and the insights given as well. Um, obviously, the Nigerian government needs to make a decision as to when they're going to make it. That's directly up to them. But um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how that one goes. And we'll be keeping an eye on that. Kingsley, Joseph, and Maximus, thank you so much for your time on the show today. Yeah. That's all time will allow us on the show today. Do hope you have picked up a thing or two. It's been a pleasure coming your way. A big thank you to the production team as well. But remember that the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow morning. So make sure you look out for it. Till next week, my name is Philip Sean. Stay techy.